Keep up with the new. Keep up with the important. Keep up with it all on Keeping Up With The Current. Get your news fix for the day, stay informed and up to date with current affairs and the issues that matter. Nadia has you covered on Keeping Up With The Current. For the family of missing loved ones, time doesn't heal. It adds up. In Australia, police receive more than 38,000 missing persons reports each year. And while thankfully most of those reported to police are located quickly, there are those whose whereabouts remain unknown, leading to a devastating impact on family and friends. Well, every August, National Missing Persons Week is promoted to remind the public of the thousands of ordinary Australians that disappear every year and the role they can play in connecting the dots and providing long-awaited answers to their family, friends and loved ones. Emily Hall is the acting team leader of the AFP National Missing Persons Coordination Centre, and I'm pleased to say she joins me now on the line. Emily, thanks for joining us on Tom FM's Keeping Up With The Current. No, thank you so much for making the time to speak with me. So the role of the National Missing Persons Coordination Centre is to support the investigative role of state and territory police. What impact has the centre had on raising awareness to the community? Yeah, so as you said, um, our team's a non-operational arm of the AFP, which means we don't investigate missing people. Um, We really provide that coordination and and conduit peace between the state and territory police just to try and make, um, you know, nationally consistent policies and to also assist them to, you know, put resources into promoting long-term missing people, which is what we do um, through our policing campaign for National Missing Persons Week every year. So what was the catalyst, uh, I guess, for the establishment of National Missing Persons Week in Australia? So it was actually the disappearance of Tony Jones in 1982. Um, You know, the AFP coordinates the policing campaign in support of National Missing Persons Week, but it is really important to note that that it was established by the Jones family um, in 1988, and it's something that we're really proud to support as the years go on. So this year's theme of National Missing Persons Week centres on the idea of Uh, encouraging us to think of the people we love and ponder on what our life would be like without them. In what way does the campaign encourage people to reflect on what it means to be missing or have a loved one missing? Yeah, so we often find that, you know, the topic of missingness is something that's really uncomfortable to think about and, and more so relate to. Um, you know, no one wants to imagine someone that they love could disappear, but it is a really prevalent issue in our community. So this Missing Persons Week, we're just asking people to really empathise with the issue and, and, you know, think about how they would feel and how it would impact their life um, if someone that they loved went missing and, and kind of give their attention to those that are unfortunately living that reality. Mm. When a relative or friend is reported missing, I guess the emotional impact on families and friends can be considerable. So to what extent are close family and friends affected by the disappearance of a loved one? The impact is profound. I mean, I don't think anyone could really begin to imagine the extent of the loss that you would feel with a missing loved one. 
Um, you know, a lot of work is is done around ambiguous loss, which is quite unique to missing persons in that, you know, it's a type of grief that has no resolve. You know, with a death, usually there's a lot of um, ceremony and process that you go through to, to mourn that person and, and say goodbye. But, you know, the families of missing persons are not afforded that opportunity. So it's a really horrible, a horrible grief that, you know, is hard to live with, to be honest. So, you know, the AFP and the police and a lot of advocacy networks do all that we can to try and help support families through that process. That's right. And it's incredibly difficult, uh, especially when the disappearance is long term. It's longer than three months. And and you mentioned, you know, they struggle to move on. You know, in other words, they're living in limbo and they often fluctuate between hope and hopelessness. They're often caught up in ambiguity lack of resolution. So in a case where a person is missing for a prolonged period, how does that lack of resolution or closure um, affect a person's ability to live their life properly? Yeah, I think it affects it greatly. I mean, it's a very individual um, situation and reaction to something that, you know, we're really not equipped naturally to handle. I think, you know, it's, it's it's a worst nightmare for people and, you know, it's a grief that, like I said, we're not equipped to deal mm. with. So, you know, it, it differs from family to family and individual to individual. Um, you know, we work with a lot of families that, you know, throw a lot of their time into doing media and public campaigns and being really involved um, in the search themselves. Um, and then we also come across families that it's just too much Um pain to bear to be involved in that and that's where you know hopefully we can come in to to bring some public awareness um, to their missing loved one on Mm. their behalf. And Emily I guess while the emotional impact is a lot more significant uh, there are other associated impacts caused by the disappearance of a loved one. Um, Talk to us about some of the ways it impacts them financially uh, especially because uh, they might still have bills rent to pay, an investment property that needs managing or I guess an unresolved legal matter to deal with? Yeah, there are a lot of, um, I guess, practical matters that, you know, become, again, often the burden of the family that are left behind. Um, I guess for background, um, once a missing person and it differs from state to state, but once they've been missing for 12 months or more, they're eligible to go for a coronial investigation. Um, through the coroner's investigation, they can provide a finding um, for whether they're thought that the missing person is likely to be alive or deceased, met with foul play. Um, once that process has been conducted and, you know, if sadly the coroner suggests that the person is most likely deceased, the family are able to access a death certificate and that helps them to navigate those financial um, arrangements like you said mortgages joint accounts things like that Um, but for those that haven't been through a coronial process or those that don't get that finding um, yeah it's a really horrible situation Mm -hmm. to be in and you know you're under enough emotional stress having a missing loved one I can't imagine adding financial stress on top of that. Exactly. And I think a lot of people underestimate how much a missing person can take over the entire life of um, their friends and family. And there seems to be quite a misconception that this case is exclusively dealt with by the police. But, 
you know, many friends and family have to uh, dedicate their lives to uh, searching for their loved ones to the extent that there are many who would have to quit their jobs to run the missing person campaign. Yeah, I mean, I, I definitely don't think that that would be um, uncommon. Um, I know, you know, for me personally, if a member of my family, especially a child, yeah. was to go missing, you really, life would be incredibly difficult to continue as as normal. Um, and, you know, a lot of families feel, and I don't want to speak on their behalf, but from the ones that I've worked with, you know, feel that they owe it to the person that they love to to really keep looking for them and and doing all that they can. I mean, we have a lot of families that, that run Facebook pages that are dedicated to their missing loved one. They're heavily involved in conversations across the sector and, and how they can contribute to really benefit um, all of the families and all of the, the long-term missing people. So it's a really complex space. Um, and like I said, when we're talking about ambiguous loss, it's felt in varying degrees by different people and and but yeah it's it's definitely not uncommon that it 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 takes over if not your life definitely your thoughts yeah. daily i you know sometimes experience a very difficult day or go through you know a calamity and i find it incredibly difficult to focus on my job and and what i'm doing so Imagine if it was the case of, of a young child or someone you love, someone who's so dear to you, you know, to just carry on with your life normally. So a lot of people might say, yeah, well, I can't put my life on hold for this person, especially if it's a long period of time. You know, you start to become yeah. affected in, in so many ways and we, we focused and we spoke about some of those impacts prior. You know, being missing is something as we know, that affects the young as well as the elderly. And when we look at the mm. factors surrounding the disappearance of a person, you know, it's important not to jump to conclusions. But there are some things that are readily identifiable and, and researchers have identified numerous factors that uh, may contribute to people going missing. So what are some examples? What do they include? Yeah, I mean, what you said is is really true and it's it's part of our messaging that, you know, missing people are, are very normal people. They have loved ones, everybody does, society just like everybody does, and, and they deserve that, that attention. Um, it's a really multifaceted um, topic. Um, I mean, a lot of our, our kind of risk areas are around youth, mental health, dementia, um, domestic violence, um, we often, you know, plead with the community that it's not a crime to go missing and there's a lot of situations, like I said, domestic violence where, you know, perhaps that is in fact the safest option for someone is to leave their home and, and their life. Um, but we always encourage people that, you know, if you're in that situation, you can contact police and if you're over the age of 18, your privacy will be upheld um, the police will obviously just cite you and that investigation into your, I guess, missingness or your disappearance would close, um, but your privacy would be maintained for whatever reason that was required. So I guess in that situation there are options and, you know, we kind of implore people that, you know, if you have a loved one that seems to be struggling, 
mentally or, you know, you're seeing changes in personality or changes in behaviour and maybe a disconnect that, you know, the prevalence is there, you know, it's 53,000 missing reports made to police every year. So don't be, I guess, um, don't think that it's something that couldn't affect your family, as horrible it is to think we need to really be pushing that prevention message and that awareness to try and get those statistics down. And I guess one of the aims and objectives of Missing Persons Week is to correct some misconceptions that some people may have in a missing person's case. And among them is the ideal time of when you're expected to make a missing person's report. So if you do have concerns for the safety and welfare of someone that can't be located, do you need to wait 24 hours before making a report to police? No, you don't. And we definitely encourage that people don't wait that long. Um, we say now, Tim, it's a bit of a Hollywood myth. You know, you see in the movies that you mm. have to wait 24 hours. In Australia, we definitely implore people that, like you said, if you have that concern for their welfare and their whereabouts are unknown, absolutely contact your local police. Um in terms of an investigation, the sooner that they can make those lines of inquiry, the better, you know, they utilise um, things such as CCTV, surveillance, and those sort of things are only really available on a 24-hour reel. Mm -hmm. um, so the sooner that they're able to access that, the better. And, you know, I, I speak with members of the community often and, you know, for a lot of people, speaking with police is not something that they do often, that they're comfortable doing. It's quite an intimidating thing to do, but definitely know that um, to lodge a missing persons report is valid. The concerns for their welfare are valid and, you know, a family or friends know more than anyone what's normal or abnormal behaviour for a person. Um, so, yeah, if you do um, contact your local police to make a report, it should be taken and, and investigated as a serious concern. Um, but if not, you know, the NMPCC um, have a hotline. If people have any issues, we're happy to help them coordinate that process. Yeah, it's important to clarify that because quite often the things that can be done in that period shortly after someone goes missing can make all the difference in trying to relocate them quickly and reunite them with friends and family. Absolutely. So in terms of, you know, those who are reported missing, especially with the vast majority of people that are reported missing each year in Australia, are they located alive and well? Yeah. Um, so of that number, it's usually around 98% that are ultimately located within a week, um, most of them alive. Um, but as you know, I said earlier, there are over 2,500 long-term missing people that have been missing for three months or more. So while a lot of people are found really quickly, a lot of um, resources are dedicated to those that are missing longer term um, in hope that, you know, the public can assist police in, in any, you know, tiny little bit of information that they have. I think, you know, we speak with members of the public that have something they think might be relevant, but they think it's too small or not of significance. But we always say every little piece of, of information can assist an investigation and people can provide that through Crime Stoppers. Um, that's the preferred method and then that will be provided to the relevant um, policing organisation. 
Absolutely. I mean, it's reassuring to know that, you know, in 90% of, 98% rather of instances, police are able to reunite people within a relatively short period and the majority within, you know, a period of 48 hours. But, you know, 48 hours can be a very long time if you're really worried about someone and concerned about their welfare and safety. Absolutely. And I I really don't think there's a scenario of having a missing loved one that's easy. Mm. Um, you know, we it's often said, you know, that fear that you have when you turn around and your child's not next to you in the supermarket, you know, it's an, it's an instant fear and a really emotional thing to go through. So, you know, you extrapolate that by a thousand, you know, having someone that's actually reported missing and, and being investigated by police, it's it's a horrible thing to go through. Um, but it's something that every Australian should be aware of and, and you know, put their attention and their efforts towards. Yeah. And I guess when we look at the objective of National Missing Persons Week, are we trying to refocus and, and bring the community's attention back to those long-term missing persons? You know, you mentioned it's important to try and get any lead, any piece of information that might assist police um, to allow them to progress with their inquiries. Yeah, absolutely. You know, the community plays a critical role in helping police find people who go missing. Um, and like I said, no piece of information is too small. Um so, yeah, we just like to publicise the fact that this really is a community issue and there is a role that the public can play in this space. Um, so, yeah, we have a website this year we've launched alongside our policing campaign, which is withoutthem.com.au, and that pulls um, long-term missing profiles from our website. So, you know, we're inviting people to, to view that website, look at all the long-term missing people, view their circumstances and and yeah, if anything, you know, rings a bell or you have any any information that you think could be of benefit, absolutely reach out to Crime Stoppers. Because ultimately, if we can, you know, bring answers to the families of these people, then, you know, that's our main objective. Absolutely. I mean, all it takes is one person uh, to recognise a photo or even someone reported missing to come forward. And that has the potential to resolve an investigation and lead to much needed answers for families and friends. So we're um, ideally trying to engage as well with, with those family members of those who are missing to put those messages out to the community. Now, what would you say uh, the key role community radio such as Tuam FM play in shaping community awareness, community perception and helping to safely locate a missing person? I think it plays a really, really important role. Um, I think the beauty of community radio is is the time and the resources that you can put to an issue. Um, you know, this is a really fabulous conversation that we're having and and it provides so much more detail and, and really helps to humanise the issue. So I think, you know, communities play a really big role in that and, you know, to have you support us in the campaign to connect us with your listeners and to be able to share our key messages and, and raise awareness is really, really priceless. And ideally, we want to get, you know, everyone involved from the media, the corporate sector, all levels of government, because it provides those affected families with that solid support network so that they don't feel alone. You know, is there any kind of, you know, practical support that, you know, the community should provide for those families that are left behind? 
I think often, you know, it's really hard. Um, you know, there is a lot of professional support that is available to families, but I think on a day-to-day, um, you know, basis for the community, getting on Facebook, getting on Instagram, even just looking through media outlets and, and you know, sharing and liking and commenting on, you know, I mentioned before a lot of families do run their own um, social media pages um, to find their missing loved one and just to be able to see comments and see that support from family, um, sorry, from the public for the families, you know, I think would mean a lot. And, you know, as you said, National Missing Persons Week is just one week of an entire year. And, you know, we obviously see really heightened interest in missing persons during this week. Um, But the families and the friends of these missing people, they really do deserve that attention and that focus all throughout the year. So we're imploring people not to just, you know, pay attention this week, but really see this as an issue and and something, a role that they can play every day of the year. Mm. Also, I just wanted to quickly touch on the issue associated with, you know, social media. And we know a lot of times, you know, the AFP, the police Facebook page, they post, you know, missing persons posts on Facebook and Instagram. And there are a lot of insensitive comments, people providing their opinion on what they Mm. might have assumed occurred regarding the disappearance of a person. They might blame someone from their family, Mm. you know. What advice Mm. do you have to those people who comment on those social media posts? Look, I mean, it's definitely not helpful. Um, I think that if I was a family member with a missing loved one, you know, hearing those comments, it's definitely not going to lead to a positive reaction. I think if people did have really legitimate, um, I guess, theories or pieces of information, it should be provided to Crime Stoppers. There's not really a place for it on Facebook. Um, I mean, people do like to, I mean, you know, it's a world of true crime podcasts and, all of that, but the intent of profiling on social media, especially when it's a recent missing person, is is to find that person. We're not asking the public to solve the case on the behalf of police. You know, that's not the mm. intent. It's this person is missing quite recently. They're out in the community somewhere or something has happened to them. Keep an eye out. And, you know, the, the success rate for that is quite high, you know, that's why we have that 98% ultimately located, um, is that the community gets behind those social media posts and, and creates that awareness that then, you know, in most cases leads to that person being located. It can be quite disheartening, you know, when people use social media in such a negative way. Rather, we should work together collaboratively and provide positive support to those families because there are those who do read each and every comment in hope of finding some answers. So, you know, the the proper approach Absolutely. is to provide any relevant information, no matter how small it is, to the proper authorities in, you know, using the proper channels, you know. A reporting a crime or reporting something should not be done on police social media pages. Rather, it should be done through Crime Stoppers. Yeah, and that's part of our, you know, the campaign this year is without them. And yeah. as I said, you know, think of of how you would feel to have a missing loved one and how you would feel if, you know, this was your reality and you were having to read comments like that. So just having like a really empathetic 
um, approach to these people and their situation is is all that we can ask for. Now, if there is uh, someone who has disappeared, someone who is currently missing and, and they're listening right now, what would you encourage them to do and what advice would you like to bring to them? Look, I think it's just acknowledging the many reasons that people go missing. You know, like I said, it's it's not illegal. If someone was, you know, had been missing for a short period of time or a long period of time, there's no, um, I guess, ramification legally for you touching base with police. The whole objective is to just make sure that you're okay. Um, and as I said before, you know, if someone that was missing touched base with police, um, their privacy would be respected and the situation behind why they had chosen to go missing would be respected. It's really just about police, you know, knowing that you're okay and being able to confirm your welfare. It doesn't mean that you would have to return home or anything like that if you're over the age of 18. So, yeah, just touching base with police and just and just having, you know, that reassurance that everything will be okay if you contact police, you won't be in trouble you won't be forced to do anything if you're over the age of 18. It will just, you know, be an opportunity for police to close the investigation and to just let the family know that you're okay. No further details need to be provided, but it just is, you know, it makes it, uh, I guess, possible for the police to just make sure that you're okay and and provide any support that, that you need. Absolutely. And that's the whole objective, you know, to... to ensure that you're safe and well. That is all. It's not about, you know, getting you in trouble for going missing. It's not an offence to go missing. And, you know, if you make contact with police, of course, your privacy will be maintained. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, we work with a lot of families that, you know, being involved in their campaigns, they are respectful of the fact that there may be our reasons that people don't want to be in their current situations. And a lot of families are respectful of that. But obviously and naturally, they just want to know that their loved one is okay. Um, and so, yeah, that can definitely be facilitated. But, yeah, it's Absolutely. not an offence. Exactly. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. I guess during National Missing Persons Week, it's really important to reflect on the fact that behind the statistics, behind the police appeals, there are real people who remain missing and we hope that those who continue to remain missing are located safe and well. Emily Hall, Acting Team Leader of the AFP National Missing Persons Coordination Centre, thank you immensely for your time today. It was an absolute pleasure having you on board and we wish you and your team continued success in this crucial campaign. Thank you so much and again, thank you to you and your listeners for, you know, being so open to have this conversation, it's a really important one. Keep up with the new. Keep up with the important. Keep up with it all on Keeping Up With The Current. Get your news fix for the day. Stay informed and up to date with current affairs and the issues that matter. Nadia has you covered on Keeping Up With The Current.